Hello, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. My name is Nick Zararis, and as promised, I've got the Twitter legend himself, my boy Fitz, to come talk about the Rangers and to play off of me a little bit, to be a sounding board for me to get some things off my head to an audience who knows what he's talking about, and in a way that'll be constructive. We had a really good talk, Fitz and I, about the state of the Rangers, because Fitz is basically the slightly more sports-emotionally-mature version of myself, where he thinks about things pretty critically, he's into advanced statistics, but he also doesn't let it eat him up, it doesn't let him drive him crazy, it doesn't have him staring at the ceiling at about 11.30 at night, thinking, well, things are never going to get better because they're bad right now. Fitz doesn't do that. I still do that. So I hope eventually I can Pokemon Evolution my way as a content creator into the space Fitz is. Fitz is very funny. We had a very good chat. And I'm going to get over to the conversation in a minute. But you got to take care of the housekeeping, as my boss Ethan likes to call it, the housekeeping. Please help grow the show. If you see it on Twitter, throw us a like, throw us a retweet. If you see it on Snapchat, bump it. Click the link. If you see it on Instagram, repost it. If you see it on Facebook, yes, I still post things on Facebook, please share it. Please like it. If, if you're really feeling adventurous, you can even comment or reply at some one of those forums for it. And whatever podcasting platform you'd like to use to listen to podcasts, Please subscribe or follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe. If you're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Audio Boom, Stitcher Radio, any of those other ones, it's just a little follow button. Tap that, please. Helps me get an idea of how many people are listening and what type of content does well. The more content that does well, the more inclined I am to do more of that content. Speaking of, I'm almost done with my expected goals explainer. Had a bit of a hiccup with Premiere, but it should be done by Wednesday hopefully get a nice little bump and help explain a metric that people in the advanced statistics community like to use. But now that I've covered the bases, the conversation with Fitz was very fun. I told him during preparation for the episode, I was looking for like a 2006 PTI vibe. If you're not familiar, PTI is the daily sports talk show on ESPN with Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser, legacy journalists from the Washington Post and a number of other publications, they've been doing that show every day for 20-something years now, and that's the kind of vibe I was looking for. I wanted to be able to play ideas off of each other, to work them out, and to just kind of have a sounding board. At the end of the episode, you hear me tell Fitz I owe him for the hour, because it was therapeutic. It was a very good talk, and I do feel better. I, I will say that. My chat with Fitz... It's not like he told me any new information. He just said it in a way that made sense and was not frustrating in the way that a lot of the columnists who write about the Rangers do. So I will see you guys on the other side of the drop with Fitz and uh, Putin sucks. Sabres have it back. Rasmus Dallin taken away by Panarin. He moves to the net. He scores! And with that, I welcome on now recurring guest and mortal enemy of Margaret Thatcher, Vladimir Putin, OJ Simpson, amongst others. How are we doing, Fitz? I'm good, man. How are you? Thank you for having me on, as always. Oh, I'm I'm not as angry 
about the Rangers as I was last week when I asked if you wanted to come on, but (laughs) there's still plenty to talk about. There hasn't been a dull moment. I know you made this point, I think, yesterday or the day before. um, The Knicks and Rangers could never both be normal at the exact same time. It's incredible, man. It's like the Knicks are finally just a regular old mill average basketball team, and now the Rangers, it's like every week there's something new with them. It's like, uh, it's honestly incredible. It's genuinely got to be some kind of misalignment of the planets or something along. It's not like, you know, oh, a guy has an ACL, a guy has an Achilles. It's guy has a car accident. It's guy gets threatened by a Russian strongman. I mean, we're not talking about like normal things that happen in sports where someone gets injured. Oh, that sucks. Oh, someone got a DUI. We're talking about like, you know, life and death kind of things here that are a bit, they're kind of draining we're, we've, I didn't even mention you know D'Angelo like just being thrown into exile in South New Jersey it's been a very very much whirlwind few weeks here and the season's only a month and a half old I know it's great I feel like it's been it's been going on for for like months at this point it's that it really all started last year with the Booch and Igor car crash I guess and yeah. and the only the only thing reason that kind of like fell away is because the the pause and all the COVID shit hit. So that's like why that'll happen. But yeah, between like the Hank buyout, the D'Angelo stuff, the the Panarin stuff. I mean, it's just been a, it's been a whirlwind of like a six, seven weeks here for, for Rangers fans. And hey, at least they're not boring, I guess. <laughs> something to talk about all the time. Definitely something to talk about. I mean, what we do and don't know, there's not a ton of information about the Panarin situation. I'm looking at my little bit of notes here so I don't, like, you know, commit libel. So we, we, we've we got that guy who was Panarin's KHL coach, Andre Nazarov, who accused him of hitting a woman, knocking her to the ground in a bar 10 years ago when Panarin was 19 and she was 18. It happened in Latvia, which is worth noting because that's kind of a country with a government that kind of gets leaned on by Russia, that kind of thing. So there, this will not be a quickly resolved thing. I know this morning on Boomer and Geo, Boomer said, apparently, this is only a two-week leave of absence. I don't know how good Boomer sources is. He's been very hit or miss when he's had Rangers information. He was one of the first people that had, they were coming back from the lockout, but he's also just been wildly wrong on free agency and trade. So yeah, all the time. take that information with a grain of salt. Whoever he knows at the garden has information occasionally, not always the best. We came into the season not expecting a ton. And now with no Panarin, I'm expecting basically just a hockey team. I think that's, I think that's what we can reasonably expect. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, it's like they're not – I mean, they're they're missing three of their top nine forwards. I mean, it's like it's not going to be fun. They're also without a top four defenseman. Like, I mean, you got Anthony Boteto on the second power play unit right now. So, it's like uh, whatever happens, happens at this point. I'm just, like, continuing to hope that the younger players take leaps and that, I don't know, like – Mika or Kreider or like some of these older veterans kind of figure it out a little bit just to just to like get some some positive vibes back into the building like it's been such a a a rough go of it for everyone I mean even the kids who are playing well like Kako and and Lafreniere they haven't been scoring like they haven't been getting any points so it's it's like uh I don't know like I don't have expectations right now for this team (laughs) I really haven't all year so like whatever happens happens at this point it's more of just you know, I feel like the the fan base is just like itching to just jump down people's throats at every every turn. 
we're going to get there in a minute. Don't worry. We're, we're about to get there because I do have some thoughts. To, I, I have some ideas, but they're going to have to get Adam Fox an oxygen tank or oh second Adam Fox. That I think about playing like 12 minutes in a hockey game, like shifts and not like beer league. And my lungs are kind of wincing. I cannot imagine playing 30 minutes in an NHL game. Oh yeah. It's, it's insane to me. Like that's, he played half the game the other night. Like I get he's young, but even then that's like, that's outrageous. That's like torts. That's like young torts era stuff right there. Uh, torts was really having Dan Girardi play 31 minutes a night on a random February against like the senators for no real reason, other than he didn't trust who was on his third defensive pair. He didn't want to give Stu Bickle any run. He, he, he torts is the reason Dan Girardi fell off so fast. I mean, that, that man's body was, was, broken bones by the time av got there i mean he had he had just like nothing left in the tank i it's crazy to think about how much they got out of a guy who was an undrafted free agent uh not to spend too much time on reminiscing in the past because that's something we do a lot of because we kind of don't have anything else to talk about for the last four years other than winning ping pong balls and uh, occasionally getting good roster moves but before we move to talking about the team this year real quick on panarin I know you and I are both in the same boat of when you can get one of these elite guys, you move heaven and earth to get him. And being that you only had to give up money, you didn't have to trade for him. It made such a difference. I know I remember you posted a screenshot of a conversation with your dad who was like, they gave him way too much money. And I, I think that was a reasonable take at the time based on how he had produced in Columbus and Chicago. And then I always tell myself, well, it's free agency. You're always going to pay a little bit more for someone who's a free agent than you would if he was on your own team. But he just moves differently. Like, I know that sounds weird to say, but those high-level guys in the NHL, they're just so much more twitchy. They're so much more fluid. And they see the game so much better than everyone else. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, the thing with the thing with that, like, even when I was talking to my dad about it, um, you know, I just don't think people watch Columbus play a lot, to be honest. Like, they just – they're the Blue Jackets and they're in Columbus. And, you know, you, you watch them when – obviously, for, like, people who live in the tri-state area, when they play the Devils or the Rangers or the Islanders. So, those are the only times you would see them. But, like, I just always knew the guy was the truth. And, like, he, he like – I think he was in Columbus for two years, maybe three years. Yeah, two. After Chicago. And, like, obviously, people knew him from Chicago. But – he got like banished to Columbus and just like nobody really knew about him. And I just remember I saw them play one time at the garden um, before, like, I think the summer, the, the spring before the summer when he signed. And that was the first time I ever saw him play in person. Like I, I've been a huge fan for a while. And I was like, this guy is just the truth. Like he's, he's everything you want in a top forward. And like, I, I know like, you know, Torts has always been very critical of his top players in the past, especially guys who score but, like, don't play two-way hockey or whatever. And apparently him and Panarin got along, like, great. And he, like, loved Panarin and loved the way he played and everything. So, like, that was another thing I really liked. Like, you can say what you want about Torts, but the man knows what he's talking about. Um, and, yeah, he's just – he's elite. He's, he's one of the best 10 players in the league. He's easily one of the best 10 forwards in the league. I mean, the guy's – He's everything you want, and you're paying that much money for him. He's exceeded every expectation so far. He's the definition of a superstar. And me personally, I've always said, you know, a lot of the concerns when they signed him was, like, he was approaching 30, and my retort to that was always, well, like, he hasn't been in the NHL since he was 18. You know, like, I get that he's been playing professional hockey, played in the KHL for a while, but 
you know, it's different playing in those leagues than it is playing in the NHL. The game's a lot more physical. Um, your body takes a lot more beating over here than it does in, in Russia or, you know, Sweden or any of the other pro leagues. So I've always just felt like he's one of those guys who's going to age fine. Like there's going to be no problems with him as he continues to approach the later years of that contract. I mean, we, we saw the vision is insane. The way he sees the game, the pass he had to Lafreniere on the one goal where he just threaded it the length of the ice. And yeah, a Washington defenseman probably should have been in that passing lane, but just to get the puck there, insane. I remember one of the last games before the pause last year, they were playing uh, San Jose. I had pretty good seats. I was sitting in like the fifth or sixth row in the lower bowl. He had the puck on the near boards, so his back was to us. And the guy next to me goes, he just taps me. I have no idea who this guy is. He goes, watch this. Whips it across the length of the ice. Adam Fox comes in off the point skating in for a one-timer. And it's just the elite players see the game happening before the rest of us. And even aside from the other guys on the ice, that's why it looks so easy for them. Because like you said, Panarin isn't the most fast skater. He isn't the strongest person. He just knows where to be. And he's really good with his stick. He's really good at dispossessing dudes, getting control of the puck, that kind of thing. Oh yeah. I mean, like he's, he's like underrated in, in almost like every area of the game. You, you don't think about him in, you know, like forward checking defensively. Uh, he's got a great stick. Like he's always like great at those little like quick twitch stick lifts when he's forward checking. I mean, he's, he's the total package, man. And like, we're, we're very lucky to have him. And, and I hope, you know, one that, that I, I, I think I'm not saying anything out of school, but you know, those allegations for the most part, you know, if it came from, a woman, I would believe it. I would believe it. And it would be terrible. And I would be heartbroken because I love Panarin. He seems like a great dude. Um, but it seems like it's just a legitimate spear campaign against the guy. So, you know, I'm hoping that he gets his family, all his family business settled and, you know, straightened away and he's able to come back soon. But whenever he does, everyone will be waiting with open arms to welcome him back. Yeah, he's really embraced it since he's gotten here. I know he, that first summer he was here, that first year was here. He was really on Twitter and Instagram a lot, interacting with people, that kind of thing. I know he replied to a lot of people, and he was pre pretty funny guy. I know that, what's it called, a lot of the post-game stuff, and that's what we've seen from all the people they, they've had go before the media the last two or three days, is all of them saying, he's such a funny guy. You guys don't really get to see what he does for the rest of us. But he's a really good friend to a lot of those guys. I know that, especially in this kind of environment where they're not allowed to be around each other a lot, they're pretty isolated it's important to have a healthy locker room and not having someone like Panarin around sucks because that's one of your boys and you don't get to interact with a lot of people. And especially in that kind of environment where it's grueling, there are expectations, the team kind of half-heartedly gave a wink-wink, like we don't expect to make the playoffs this year, but we expect to make the playoffs coming in. And that's got to be taxing on them because they came in expecting to, all right, if we're not going to make the playoffs, we're going to be pretty close. And thus far, they haven't played horrendously bad, but the underlying little things that we're about to talk about, they are realistic and they are draining. We saw it. I mean, on a normal team, a guy making a smart-ass comment to someone else doesn't result in a fistfight. <laughs> oh, I still can't get over that. Oh, it's so funny to me. It, it's, it's like, one, you can't get over getting benched, and, and then you just – 
let it culminate. You let it like linger for like three weeks and then you punch the goalie. I mean, or chirp the goalie and get punched by him. I mean, I, I he, he's such an idiot, man. He cost himself so much money over the past, what, year and a half maybe? I mean, I don't even know. He, honestly, just a year. Coming back to life, I mean, he was – most people didn't give a, a shit what Tony D'Angelo was saying up until I would say the pause kind of happened. Or I shouldn't even say that. He was, like, keeping a genuinely kind of low profile for the most part. Yeah. And then, and then the pause happened, and he started tweeting about COVID. He started the podcast. He the election came around and 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 then when Trump left Twitter, he, he just got his stuff and left. I mean, it just all like, you know, the thing the thing to me that I think people forget is like him being scratched because of the the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Like that's not new. That's like that happened his first year. David Quinn was here. Like David Quinn, something happened. We we'll, we never found out what, and we never will because that's just the way this stupid ass league works. Um, like he got scratched for multiple games because he was mouthing off. And like they told, they straight up told him, they said, if you fuck up one more time, we're going to get you out of here. And not only did he do that, he did that in, in, in such an unbelievably spectacular way that it caused like hysteria on Twitter that I, I haven't seen for, for hockey in a very long time. Yeah. When even mainstream people are just firing off chirps, like casual people who occasionally dip their toes into the hockey water are tweeting about it. It's like, wow, he fucked up royally. We're talking about, like, generational money. Like, if he was just halfway normal, like every other, like, right-leading person in the NHL who just kept his thoughts to himself, we're talking about someone with, if he just had a normal personality coming off a 50-something point season, quarterbacking a top-10 power play in the league, everybody would have been pounding their fists on the table to give him a five- or six-year extension, five or six million a year. No questions asked. If Adam, If it was Adam Fox who was up for an extension last summer, we would have all been pounding the desk. Five, six years, seven million per, no questions asked. You keep a guy like that around. But when you're that much of an asshole, you just can't keep quiet. And we all know people like that. We've all grown up with someone who they always got to get that one last joke in. They always got to get that one last dig in trying to make everyone else laugh. And in an environment where, all right, we get it. You're trying to be funny. We just lost again. Maybe, Maybe not right now. It's very funny. I'll leave it at that. It's very funny. Yeah, it was just a hysterical situation. All right. So now that we've kind of touched the bases, the main reason I wanted to have you on was you've been the more mature voice of reason in this of the season doesn't really matter. It's only 56 games. It's it, this team wasn't expected to win anything right now. You've been a voice of reason in my ear. And every time I go to fire off a tweet being like, David Quinn is a dumbass. Why does he have this person on the power play? I hear a little voice in my ear and it's Fitz going, it doesn't matter. It's a 56 game season. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. And then I, I try to rein it in. I try and I go look at all the charts. I pull up the patrons I subscribe to and I'm like, they're not playing that bad. Where are the margins for improvement that they can get a little bit better? I pretty, pretty much everyone has accepted that life after Henrik Lundqvist is not going to be great. Yeah, even someone who is pretty good like Igor, it's not Hank every every other day when you're going to watch the Rangers. And the goaltending has been pretty bad, and the finishing has been pretty bad this year. They cannot score to save their life. Yeah, they can't score at all. The, the, the offense is, is the bigger – like, Igor has been playing better. I, I Again, like, I just think, like, what we've learned from Hank all these years is, like, you just need to play more in order to yeah. get, like, into your rhythm and, and to, like, just get a feel. And, like, with a lot of these guys, they hadn't – 
played in real hockey games in months, like almost a year, honestly. Like Keandre Miller went literally almost a year without playing a hockey game. Um, so yeah, like the, the offense is, the finishing is more of what bothers me than anything else. Because like, like you said, like the underlying numbers are pretty good. Like they're, they're like not getting caved in on, on shot wise anymore. Like they, I mean, part of that is just Keandre Miller and Fox are just like pillars yeah. on defense. And like, I give Quinn credit that like, even when just those four, you know, the, the Fox, Lindgren, Miller, Truba, he wasn't even playing the third pair. He was yeah. playing like game so I was like all right like I, I like that like you know who your guys are I just let him go but yeah the finishing is is a problem I mean I mean Chris Kreider's always been a streaky player but he can't score for for anything right now Mika's drop off is unbelievable like he, he he's playing better the last couple of games but he, like during that that big stretch where it was like ugly like he couldn't even receive a pass like he yeah. couldn't do anything he looked so bad. Like, I couldn't believe it, honestly. I was like, I genuinely can't believe this was the guy who was, like, like on, on the hottest streak I've ever seen in my life, not even a year ago. But th- the problem is they just they just don't have any bottom six scoring at, at all with, with, with the guys out of the lineup that are out now. Like, Phil Heedle is, like, a team MVP at this point. Yeah. Because he left and, like, there's just no one to replace him. You know, like, I think everyone knows at this point that Brett Howden's a fourth-line center. Um, I think even the coaching staff, for, for all the faults they've had in the past, like, of, of kind of, like, giving him an extra chance, they straight up just put him on the fourth line to start the year. And, and even when the injury happened, they were kind of hesitant to move him up. But, you know, like, Goche, like, uh, people like Goche a lot. I, I don't know. He, he seems fine to me. Lemieux is, like, very good at drawing penalties. That's really, That's really it. <laughs> That's really like all he does out there, which is like good for him. It's a good skill to have, but I mean, they just, you know, Colin Blackwell and Kevin Rooney are good NHL players, but the fact that they're like relying on them to play heavy minutes right now, it just shows that the, you know, for all the good that has happened and all that they've added to the team and the organization over the, since the letter came out, um, they still got a ways to go. And like, they desperately need another, another Senator, like, honestly I would only pencil in Heedle right now as like a center of the next two three seasons like I think Mika uh, I, I genuinely don't know what's going to happen with him I, I I can't see them extending him long term after the year he's having right now which is almost a blessing in disguise for the team um, because if he would have kept up his pace from last year they would have had to spend so much money on him and it would have just caused a lot of problems so you know the center is just an issue right now. Like everything else I, I genuinely feel fine about. They have wingers, they have defense. They just find goalies every year. It feels like I, like every single time you look up, they sign a guy from, from college or they draft someone, they always end up becoming good, um, which is just like unbelievable. That's like the one aspect of the Ranger scouting department that I'll never ever bash is their goalie scouting. Cause they just continually find these guys, whether it's, you know, way back when with Talbot or, or even now with Georgiev, even though he's, he's not a starting goalie, he's a good backup, but it, it's, it's tremendous, but center, center, go get Jack Eichel, wait until the end of the year when he's, when he's ready to make his request and go steal him. You got wingers, you got picks, you got defensemen, but boom, package them together however you need. 
they're already trying to run him out of Buffalo. Mike Harrington is doing his one-man marching crew up. Well, he doesn't skate hard when he's going for a line change. That means he's not putting in enough effort. Did he like, really say that, Mike Harrington? Yes. That, yes. That's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> he really said he's been doing this since he was a rookie, and no one ever corrected him. So do with that what you will, but I don't like it. So this is going in my column. And, I, I mean, we've talked about – I think everyone on the planet has talked about, you know, Ryan O'Reilly saying – I played in Buffalo for so long, I stopped liking hockey. Stopped loving the game. (laughs) (laughs) For a professional hockey player, and, like, this is hockey we're talking about. We're not talking about, like, Anthony Edwards, who's like, I would have rather played football, but I'm better at basketball, so I sucked it up. Like, Ryan O'Reilly is a very, very good hockey player who's now won a cup, who's second-round pick, he's, like, 33 overall. But we're talking about someone who's a really good hockey player just being, like, the life force was drained out of me for so long that this organization is this bad. Buffalo is a dumpster fire. I don't understand how the Bills are run so well and the Sabres are run so horrendously because they're owned by the same people. It's it's incredible. Um, I, I just I just don't I like I don't even have words for it, man. Like they're just so 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 bad. They're such a terribly run organization. From top to bottom. The rink's dilapidated. I don't know if you've ever been to the Key Bank Arena up in Buffalo. It is falling apart. Like, the urinals run onto the floor. The seats have mold on them. We're, we're like, worse than the Coliseum. Like, I don't (laughs) know how that's possible. But, like, from a maintenance standpoint, worse than the Coliseum. But circling back around to the roster right now, we're in the same ballpark. We agree on that. The thing I've harped on for two and a half years now is – the little things, the attention to detail, the mental preparation, a lot of the time, it really does kind of seem like they're just kind of skating out there. There's no real plan of what they're supposed to be doing. I would like to know what they do during practice because it doesn't seem to be what they, what to do with the puck. Cause there's a lot of times where the defensemen are just bouncing the puck off the glass to no one in particular. There's no one in the neutral zone sticking a stick out to deflect the puck into the offensive zone. Or I've noticed a lot this year, they're really big on the forwards dumping the puck into the corners and no one going to get it. And, yeah, that, that drives me nuts. And it's not like they're going for a change either. It's They just don't skate in after the puck. And I know there's a, been a lot made of – I know Larry Brooks likes to say they don't have any north-south skaters. Um, these are all hockey players. They know how to skate forward and backwards. You can tell anyone to go into a corner and play a puck. Plus, like, isn't that what Chris Kreider, isn't that, like, what he's been his entire career here for almost 10 years at this point? Like, he's the ultimate north-south player. He literally can't skate east-west. He can't do it. So, like, I don't know. Larry's still trying to get Josh Anderson to the Rangers somehow. Um, but, yeah, there there is definitely things that, that irk me with, like, the way they play. Like, uh, the line change stuff is, is unbelievable. Like, that's, like, that's, like, my high school team I played on used to not be able to change lines sometimes. Like that should not be happening. It's one thing if it happens every once in a while, it's understandable or like a too many men on the ice penalty understandable, but like this has been happening consistently for two years now. Like it's, it's incredible. They, they make, there's another, the other night they, they, I, I forgot who they were playing, but like the, the team, the other team regrouped at their own blue line. And like, you just see five Rangers going to the bench no one came sudden, back. No one came back. Yeah, they're just coming up the ice. I'm like, what is happening right now? It's it's baffling sometimes. It's because Quinn is constantly changing the line, so no one knows who they're supposed to be with, so no one jumps when he yells whoever's supposed to go out. 
That's no, you're hundred percent right there. Yeah, he that's his solution to everything. It's not changing how they play, it's changing who plays with who. And there's something for that. If not you can't get anything going trying to juggle things, I get that. It just at some point you gotta have a, a plan here. I mean, I really felt like he got badly exposed in the bubble where after two minutes into the game when Quickie got knocked out, they, they just didn't know what to do for the three straight games. There was no plan. Yeah, no, 100%. The, the, the bubble was horrible. I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is, like, after all those games, I remember, you know, uh, people still say this, that, like, they're not tough enough or physical enough. And, like, even David Quinn said it. He was like, we tried to be too physical, and that's why we lost, because that's not what our strength is. We are a, a skilled team that needs to use our skill to win. But then you look back at him and you say, well, it's your job to get that message across. So, like, if they're not listening to you, that's that's a huge problem. But, you know, like, he, the line he rubs juggling. me the wrong way. That's yeah. what I want to say. He rubs me the wrong way. He talks to me a lot like hockey coaches I had as a kid. And I just don't like that because, like, these are professional hockey players. You don't have to yeah. treat them like nine-year-olds. Like, give them a little bit of leeway, that kind of thing. No, 100%. I, I completely agree with that. It's uh, it, it's like he, he's a college coach. It, it really is true. Like, and I understand why they went that route because they're going to have – I mean, you look at it now. They, I, I think I, they, when everyone's healthy, they have like two guys who are over 30 in the lineup, which is like understandable. Um, but, you know, at some point you got to realize that these are grown men and they, they can be spoken to like grown men. Um, but, yeah, he, he's, he's painfully average to me. Like, I, I, I don't think there's anything crazy he could do that will make them a better team right now, specifically, like, especially with all the injuries. I mean, I mean like, that's, that's Jeff Gordon's fault that there's no centers. Like, there's yeah. no one else to call up and play center or that, like, uh, Adam Fox and Brian Lindgren. Brian Lindgren's playing three-on-three OT because there's no other defenseman once, once Keandre and Dribble went down. Like, that's a roster construction is, issue, but – you know, like to me, to me, David Quinn is not holding them back. Like I know a lot of people like say that. Well, he's he's destroyed the development of players. I'm like, who? I always point. I always say who, and it's always like, well, Kako. I'm like, well, Kako's been significantly better this year. You know, or well, well, Heedle. I'm like, oh well, Heedle has taken a huge leap the last six months. So like that's you know, people can say Adam Fox. I mean, like the the thing I have a problem with is. You can't blame someone for not developing players and then not give them credit and just say, well, like he was good anyway. So what do you do? Like you can't have it both ways to me. So like if you want to harp on how bad Kako played last year or, you know, Heedle only being the third line forward for a lot of the year, I understand that. I truly do. Like, like I, I, I'm with you. Um, but at the same time, like he's not the one that put the roster together, you know, they, basically, Jeff Gordon told everyone who would listen that they wanted to trade Ryan Strong last year over the offseason, and they just couldn't – they couldn't find anyone who wanted him. So they kept him because they have no one else. There's literally not – none of the other centers are ready. They don't have, like, a stopgap. He's the closest thing they're going to have to a stopgap. So, you know, I, I, I think the, the after every game, people coming for Quinn's head. I do think it's funny when he says – when he looks at like the time on ice and he's like, yeah, I probably should play them more. I'm like, okay, well that's, that's, you're either trolling or you're, you're just making yourself look like an asshole. So like that, I, I 100% agree with everyone about, but I, I, I genuinely just don't think there's like a magic 
push button solution that a new coach is going to come in and all of a sudden change everything. Like, I know people always love to say Gallant, and he's a very good coach. Like, don't get me wrong, but he's also worn out his welcome in two places within like two and a half years. So clearly there's something there. And, and to me specifically, um, we rail against the NHL, me and you, and so many other people for being in a league with retreat coaches, right? You just cycle them in. And I liked that the Rangers went outside the box. You know, they tried something new. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But, you know, we, we can't always get pissy when when the same six coaches get recycled through, but then get mad when, you know, a team, our specific team, the team we root for, tries something outside the box. So, like, I've the, the problem with it is is everyone wanted Sheldon, Sheldon Keefe when they first hired Quinn. And so a lot of people have had it out for him for day one, even though before they even heard him speak. Um, meanwhile, Sheldon Keefe, congratulations. You had to beat up on the Senators and, and the Canucks fucking 16 times this year. You're, you're, you're reinventing the game. But, yeah, I don't know. The, the David Quinn stuff, I get both sides of it. I truly do. I'm not – a hater or a fan. I'm just like, he's the coach of my favorite team. I feel about him, how I feel about Louis Rojas, honestly. <laughs> I like, I, I kind of like Luis Rojas because he knows all the guys from his time as the development coach. And like, if you actually ask him a baseball question, he answers very, like very well, like, like details, ins and outs, little things that, you know, average fans probably would never think of, but you know, Quinn, Quinn's fine. He's, he's, he's not going to be the coach when the team, eventually ascends to contender that's how i view it and that's how i've always viewed it and that's just like cycles of teams and how this works like torts was the guy who got the rangers from a middling you know seven eight seed to a team that could win a playoff round or two but he wasn't the guy to take them to legit contender status and that was av and then av's time wore out and he wasn't the guy to go through a rebuild with so david quinn came in and david quinn will eventually get this team to you know, seven, eight, first round of the playoffs. Maybe they win a playoff series under his tenure, but he's not the guy to take them to the next level. You know, he's like Tom Rennie to me, honestly. That's how I view him. Like the guy who gets them into the playoffs and gets them, you know, taking the next step. But then there's someone who comes in after them, him to take the next step. So, yeah, that's how I view David Quinn. That's a very rational and well thought out way of thinking it because a lot of the time I just come back to, He's not really doing anything. It doesn't really look like there's some coherent system. And the reason I kind of think that more now than I did even last year is just how different the results are with an assistant coach change. They brought yeah. in Jacques Martin and they actually play defense now. Yeah, 100, 100%. Like that's been a very, I think Jacques Martin like uh, was, was another one that people are ready to, to kill because he's a big Jack Johnson guy. I think everyone's a Jack Johnson guy, honestly, except David Quinn. I think David Quinn is like the one guy who's like, why, why do, why does everyone like this guy so much? Um, but yeah, they, they, they are, it's, you can't look at the way they're playing this year and say like they haven't gotten better. They have like, yeah. they are, they are a much better team than they were like, like even when they were going on that crazy hot streak last year, they were horrific defensively. It was horrible. I mean, especially after they traded Brady Shea and, and Brendan Smith playing like 18, 19 minutes a game. But now they're, they're like solid. They just can't score. Yeah. And, and that's, that's some of it's puck luck. Some of it's they just don't have high-end talent in the right spots right now or the guys that project to be their high-end finishers just aren't there yet. You know, like Lafreniere, Kako, 
Um, you know, Booch has taken a big leap this year, which, oh, that that's the guy I always point to with David Quinn, Booch. Like, like say what you want about Booch. He's always been very good analytically. Um, but the dude's like an unbelievable PKer now, which is like insane to me. He, he looks like he looks like prime Henrik Zetterberg out there killing penalties. So like those are, you know, they, they just they need a goddamn center so badly. And it's like I don't know when it's coming, but it's going to happen before the beginning of next season. They will have a different top line center, in my opinion. I have a really funny question for you. Why is it so fun to make fun of Ryan Strom? What oh is it God. in particular about him that everybody finds so funny? Because this isn't just a you thing. It isn't just a me thing. Everybody everyone. on hockey Twitter loves – people who aren't fans of other teams are like, why does everyone talk about Ryan Strom? There's something innate about him. I mean, the celebrating the puck that didn't go in the net is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Him throwing his arms up in the Bruins game, doing going full swaggy P in a hockey game. Oh my god! It, it's like that's that's really what it is. Like I've never seen a player have so many chance. Like he could have easily had ninety points last season, <laughs> like easily, and he had a career year with like sixty, I think. And and like you look at it and you're like, God damn, this guy could have had like twenty five more points if he just knew how to finish. Like. Panarin sets him up so beautifully all the time. He gets so many looks on the power play. He gets so many like rebound chances. That he just can't score. And meanwhile, the goal he finally does score is a wrist shot from the blue line that just gets through everyone. It's just I, I look at it and I'm like, this sport is so stupid sometimes. It's just it's just so dumb. I think back to during the during the pause that he posted that video of him taking like five slap shots in his driveway and then going back inside and being like going yes. back to Warzone now. And I forget who it was. I think it was John Tavares commented something like, that's all you got to do when Panarin's on your team. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I'm like, even the guys in the league realize this guy's a clown. Uh, it's so funny. And and like genuinely, I um, I kind of like my drum really hasn't been that bad. He hasn't. Just, it's just fun he, to make fun of. It's him. so much fun to make fun. Him and Brett Howden. Like yeah. I don't know what it is. Brett Howden. At least there's a reason he's just not good. <laughs> but like Ryan Strom, like has has genuinely exceeded every expectation I've had for him since he's become a Ranger, and yet I still just love making fun of the guy. I don't. I don't understand why. Howden is I forget who it was that tweeted it the other day but it was like he's gonna go on a date with someone and tell them he's a hockey player and she's gonna look at his hockey DB while he's in the bathroom and he's gonna come back to an empty table <laughs> that shit was hysterical man so th- I will say this this year I don't know what it is I, I think like the maybe it's just because like who I follow and what I see now I feel like Rangers Twitter has become so much more fun like yes. it's, it's so much less of like during those those first two post letter years, it was so miserable. Like there was <laughs> there was like everyone was arguing about like Neil Pionk and John Gilmore and and, like, <laughs> and, and everyone it was just like why like none of these guys are gonna be here in two years and now it's just like fuck it like no one has any expectations anymore let's just let it fly let's just have fun and like that's how I've I've viewed it since the start and then it's it's this year I feel like it's the culmination of it it's so much more fun than it's ever been whether it's people making fun of Ryan Strom making fun of Howden uh how much people love you know Panarin or or, or Keandre like Keandre Miller's been just a revelation awesome. this year I mean it's it's unbelievable um you know I know a lot of people 
a lot of people like get the Rangers shit because they didn't get him over here last year. But at the same time, it's like, well, the kid wanted to go back to college for another year. So what are you, what are you going to hold it over their heads or that? I mean, I would have went back to college another year too if I was him. But it, it's this year has been just so much more fun. I don't know. Even last year wasn't as much fun. Yeah. Even when they went on that winning streak and like that hot streak, it was more like everyone was still like waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I think genuinely this year that like the fan base, or for the most part, the, the fans who like realize what's happening knew that last year was just like they caught lightning in a bottle and that clearly they were just not, they were one of the worst teams that made the play in ground and then the bubble, like they weren't, they just weren't ready for it. And, you know, this year, I think everyone realized that, that they're still like another step away um, that if they didn't make the playoffs this year, it would have been like some catastrophic failure, but that you just want to see, you want to see Kako, Lafreniere, Fox, Miller, Heedle, you know, those guys all take a leap. And for the most part, they all have. Like Lafreniere is obviously a rookie, but even last game, he looks so much better than he has in a couple weeks. Um, he's another one. He just can't score right now. Like that's just, sometimes you just can't score. And that's been the problem for this team this year. But I don't know. I'm having a lot more fun watching, watching them this year than I have in a long time, to be honest. They got to get that man Lafreniere some help. That guy was the first overall pick in the entry draft, and he's playing with Kevin Rooney and Colin Blackwell. Like, that guy, you know who the first overall pick plays with usually? Your Jack Hughes is playing with, like, Kyle Palmieri, like, actual NHL hockey players. Put your guys in a position to succeed. I do, I do think I, that's I do, a legitimate gripe. Yeah, I do. I do. And then it's actually funny because I, I was at work the other day. I was actually, like, there's a Quinn like availability and someone asked him about that with Lafreniere and Kako. He, he, I, I do think he made like a really good point. He's like, you know, most teams that have number one and number two picks like back-to-back years, like they're bad. So like you can immediately put those guys on the top of two lines and play them 20 minutes a night. But he, he was like, and I, I kind of agree with that. He was like, you know, we got Kako, but we also signed Panarin that year and we had, a, you know, Booch and Kreider and all these guys. So like, you know, it's, it's trying to find that balance. But what he said with Lafreniere is, like, I agree with completely. Like, we basically lucked into this. Like, this was not part of, like, our long-term view. We didn't expect to have the number one pick in a year we made the play-in tournament. So, you know, I I, I get it that, that like, it, it speaks to me, again, about the roster construction problem more than a David Quid problem. Like, Kevin Rooney, Colin Blackwell, like, those guys are very good depth pieces to have. But if you want to have your young players succeed, you need to have some like legitimate player be play, which is again why it sucks so much that Hedo got hurt because like I loved watching him and Kako play together. Like they they seem to have like an innate chemistry, the two of them. It reminds me of like how Derek Stepan and Kreider used to play with each other. Like they just knew where the other was going to be. Um, so yeah, like that. I. <laughs> I can't even make fun of Kevin. Kevin Rudy's been like really good. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the, that's the issue. Like these guys have been the good players and the good players have been sorely lacking at least through the last two, three weeks. So I don't know, man, it's, it's interesting. This Panarin stuff obviously throws a huge wrench into how everything's going to look over the next forever, how long he's out. Um, but I'm hoping that, that the, maybe the kids find like another year and then he comes back and, you know, fits in seamlessly and they just get going again from there. You know, I, I do like, I would like if when he goes back, honestly, I'd keep, um, 
I'd keep Mika and Panarin together, honestly, and let the kids play with each other. Like, you know, another thing David Quid said that I, I kind of somewhat agree with is like, you know, you put Kako with Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin or, or Lafreniere with Chris Kreider and Chris Kreider, Booch and Mika Zibanejad. And like, they just like tense up a little bit. Like, okay, like I'm playing with a guy who had 40 goals last year or a guy who was third in MVP. Um, so like sometimes, you know, you grip the stick a little harder. You're trying to do a little too much as opposed to just playing with kids your own age and you kind of just play, you just go, like, you know, the guys, like, that's why I love watching Kako and Heedle together. Like they just had, so they were so much fun to watch. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's going to be fun to watch for the rest of the year. I think you're putting the, um, the Ethan jinx, the uh, fun and good on the Rangers, and I'm not liking it right now, Fitz. I think you're putting oh. the jinx on them. A year fun. ahead of schedule, too. I was going to say, fun, fun and somewhat average, I think, is the way to go. Fun and somewhat average. That's not a te- – I'll, I'll say this. Last year, their underlying numbers were outright horrendous, like bottom five in the entire league in expected goals. But they got one of the best even-strength seasons ever – from Panarin and Zabinijad went nuclear on the power play last year. He yeah, some, he was unbelievable on the power play. He had something like 20 goals on the power play last year, and that that wasn't sustainable. And a lot of people, I know back in the fall when I had Jay Fresh Hockey on, who does some analytic stuff, he basically he said, Zabinijad, there's not a chance in hell he comes close to that again because his defense is bad now. Zabinijad went from being really good two way and his underlyings to being all offense and that's fine if you're going to record 60 70 points you can tolerate right. that but if you're not getting those points from him right now like you are this season he's a liability out there because he's not as good as he was defensively he's not as good a skater as he was and i know that sounds crazy to say about someone who's only 27 but in the fifth school of gms 27 is very old <laughs> ancient yeah. he's the dinosaur at this point yeah so talking a little bit more about the team going forward Window-wise, when do you realistically think that window gets open? Because I know a lot of people, me included, have said that because you signed Panarin, because you signed Truba, because you gave Kreider that extension, you don't get to infinitely kick the can down the road forever. Because if everything works out, you're going to give Lafaniere $9 million a year. You're going to give Kako $8, 9000000 million a year. And you run out of money really quick. Because if you look at a team build like the Leafs, who have four guys who make around $10 million, the rest of your roster is bare bones. You're talking about 41-year-old Joe Thornton and Jimmy Vesey. Yeah, so so to me, I would say next season is when the window really, really opens because that's when all the dead money from the buyouts pretty much comes off. Um, I think Shanker and Hanks are both like pretty minimal next year, so they'll have a little more money. The, the problem is they need to sign Fox. They need to sign Shesterkin. Uh, Kako, Heedle, like all those guys are coming up soon. Um, but if you can somehow find a way to, to the, the two contracts that like are going to have to get moved at some point are Kreider and Truba, just yeah. because like for, for the money they make, they're just like not worth it. They're expendable. Yeah, exactly. They're not worth it. Like they're expendable. Um, and like, so next season to me is when it starts. Like I, I really do believe they're going all in on an Eichel trade. Um, no matter what, I mean, at this point, like, look at the, the, the guy, the guy looks like James Harden at the end of this Houston tenure, like he just wants to get out of there so, so badly. Um, so yeah, like that's what it is to me. Like 
at this point i would fucking put crafts off in a deal for someone like that like that that's what they need to do like need they need to consolidate some of these prospects that i mean they have like a million defensive prospects which is insane because three years ago they had none literally literally none, none. literally like we were genuinely talking about neil john Pionk. gilmore and neil pionk as like the building blocks and i was like jesus christ but like you got the lundquist you got the tarmo kid like the schneider like robertson all these guys like you gotta consolidate some of those into legitimate pieces a center let's be real let's call it spade a spade a center whether it's jack eichel or whoever the hell might come available they need to go get a center i would love to get barkov i don't think that's realistic but barkov i know everybody in the hockey community says he's the most underrated player in hockey so he can't really be that underrated but he's gross he's so good He's so good. The, the problem with him is, is the Panthers look like they're starting to actually play well now, which sucks. Um, <laughs> we need the Sabres been... to keep losing. We need yeah. the Sabres to keep losing. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, I, I absolutely want – I want Jack Eichel. I'm, I'm, I'm just – I want him. I want him here, and I want him here now. Unretire Adam Graves' number. Give him nine back. Uh, that, or Bathgate or whatever. They have, like, three number nines retired, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah. Go get Jack Eichel. And that, that's when the window opens to me. This summer is when the window opens because you got the dead money coming off. You'll have a chance. You'll have a couple of the kids still on ELCs for at least another year. I'm pretty sure Kako, Miller, Lafreniere, all three of them will be at least one or one or two years, depending on you know which one it is. Um, Heedle is not going to demand crazy money long-term. They, they are – you know, hockey stamp minor, shout out to him. He's been putting into the ether that they're going to sign him to like a seven, eight year, like four or five million dollar extension. That which would be good. Awesome for the Rangers. Terrible for him as a player. I would <laughs> the be Acuna disgusted. contract. Yeah. Oh my God. I would be disgusted <laughs> by that, but it would be great for the Rangers in terms of like managing the cap the next few years. Fox, they need to lock up for as many years as he wants. <laughs> if he wants eight, <laughs> give him eight. If he wants five, give him five. I don't care. Give that man whatever he wants. Um, and then like, you know, if you if you need to include Mika in a trade, depending on how his year ends, like you do that. Or if you want to hold him, and honestly, like it's terrible asset management to lose him for nothing. But if you want to go for it, get Eichel, keep Mika. You have that three as your center, Eichel, Mika, Heedle. I mean, that's a that's a team to go for it. And then you could you can find a cheap fourth line center. You can ch- find a you know if Mika walks, like another replacement for him. So like. This summer is when it all opens up to me. I mean, I think that was always the plan. Um, and I've been, you know, I've flip-flopped on it myself. I, you know, you signed Panarin, you got all the kids on the ELCs. Why not go for it then? But you're just not ready yet. And, and I think we all learned that. I think the, the, the Carolina series really taught us all that, that it's kind of, you know, there's still a piece or two away from really taking the next step. But sometimes the pieces come internally too. I mean, Keandre Miller has literally transformed them from a horrific defense to a good one, him and Jock Martin. So like some, maybe one of the kids pops, maybe Morgan Barron pops or something. So, you know, there's, there's tons of options, but they need to find a center. And as soon as they do that, that's, that's when the window opens. Okay. Andre is so impressive. And the thing that I know a lot of people have pointed it out, but the way he's able to recover position because he is so fucking tall, the way he's able to make up space when he is at a position or makes a miscue is incredible yeah it's unbelievable uh he he genuinely looks like 
it's how Mark Stahl looked when he didn't have, you know, one eye. Um, yeah. He was like literally could use his size and his skating ability and his reach to just make up for, for anything pretty much. And yeah, I'm, you know, one of the terrible, it sucks that Truba's hurt, but I think it's pretty cool that Keandre is going to get some power play minutes now. Um, I think that's like a, a place he can thrive. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm still like amazed how good he looks, you know, because like people, even the people who watch college hockey a lot, like I don't, I would check in every now and then if it was on like TV or on like my streaming services um, to see like how he looked. And he looked good. He looked like a very good college hockey player, but he is a star, like a legitimate, you know, the first game he looked nervous as hell. I think a lot of them did. Quinn bumped him down for a couple of games and then they decided to move him back up and it just clicked and he hasn't looked back. I mean, the kid's a stud. That, that trade that like Rick Nash, Nick Holden trade tree. That was a, that was a all time great trade for, for the Rangers. I mean, what it landed them Lindgren, it, the shout out to the blue shirts, breakaway guys. They say it all the time. It landed them two fourths of half of their top four defensemen right now, Miller and Lindgren. So, I mean, that was a, a home run. God, I, I know this is like the epitome of a dead horse, but comparing that to the McDonough Miller trade is like egregious. That that that's the worst. You know, I'm a big Jeff Gordon fan for what he's done. I thought he was very aggressive with how he rebuilt the team. And obviously people love to be like, Oh, well, they got lucky with the lottery. Well, no shit. That's what the lottery is. Like uh, if you can't understand that, we're we're having a bad faith discussion. Um but yeah, the the McDonough Miller trade is just such a in hindsight, it looks so bad. It, 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 at the time, it didn't look good, to be honest. But it, yeah. in hindsight, it looks so much worse. You know, I guess the first round pick they got became Lundqvist, Mills Lundqvist. But even yeah. then, like he hasn't played a game for them yet. So how great can it really be? He's going to be playing a lot of games in Buffalo if uh, you have your way. It yes, seems like absolutely him, Braden Schneider, Robertson, <laughs> Ryan Strom, Kravtsov. Send them. Uh, it's not that different from Russia. Kravtsov will fit in in Buffalo. <laughs> so. When we're talking about teams that this style of play the Rangers are looking towards, this high-end skill base, a lot of up-and-down speed, I think the mistake a lot of people made talking about Tampa last year was how important their third line was. Like, yeah, Blake Coleman was good, but, like, you know, they won the Stanley Cup because Braden Point was insane. They won the Stanley Cup because Victor Hedman was awesome. I think what you realistically should be looking at is Colorado and Vegas. Those are yes. the two teams that the Rangers have similar skill set guys to match up with. I mean, if you want to go blow by blow, it's not that different. Kreider is a Walmart max patch already. You look, Mark Stone, Panarin is about 85% of what Mark Stone is. He's not as good defensively, but he can give you the counting stats. And then on the back end, Adam Fox's production underlying numbers, he's right there with Petrangelo. Yep. The Rangers have the skill guys. Colorado is better. Colorado yeah. skill guys are. I don't. I think I've saw more than one person say Lafreniere. His best cases, he turns into what Miko Rantanen is, and that's really good. That's really yeah. good. But he's a great player. Yeah, it's a really great player, but it's not Nathan McKinnon, which is the thing. No. Where no, if no. you get to a Cup final, who's going out there with Kako with Lafreniere? It's probably Jack Eichel. It could be someone else, but. Those are the teams they need to be looking towards. And I think Toronto went a little too far with it because, like, Tavares isn't worth what they're paying him. Like, we all know that you overpay for guys in free agency because you have to. Right. The 
the model for the Rangers is Vegas and Colorado. It's not Tampa. It's not what Nashville was last decade where it was six defensemen and then okay forwards. It's not what Toronto is where it's really high-end guys and then a bare-bones roster. Your model is Vegas or Colorado. 100%. Vegas to me is the one. Like, they they could they can play like the way Vegas plays. Like, they have the personnel to do it. Um, Vegas is so much goddamn fun to watch. I, I, I love watching them play, man. It is it, – it, First of all, it is insane that what this is their fourth year in the league mm-hmm. and that they're consistently one of the best teams. I mean, as an expand, like that's unbelievable. I mean, if the NHL was a serious league, that would be like that would be the, the story nonstop that an expansion team made the cup final in the first year and has consistently kept it up. And not even that, they're a destination for star. I mean, Mark Stone was a was a pending UFA when they tra- when Ottawa traded him there. He signed like seconds after they traded him there. You know, like I know Carlson was looking at Eric Carlson was looking at them before he signed with San Jose. I mean, they they are so much fun. And I, I completely agree. Like you have you have the pieces there. Like Mika honestly wild Bill Carlson. Like they yeah. both have abnormally great years, but they're still really good players even when they can't reach that lofty expectations. Um Mark Stone and Panarin, I think that's great comp. Like, what Mark Stone gives you defensively, obviously Panarin gives you a little less, but what Panarin gives you offensively is a little more than Stone. So I, I, I think that's a great comparison. Vegas, to me, Vegas and Colorado. I mean, those are those are my two non-Rangers. Those are my two favorite teams to watch play. I mean, it's just so much fun. They're relentless with how they play. It's a good way to transition to the last thing I have on here where we're going to talk a little bit about Lake Tahoe because that is worth talking about. And they played each other on Saturday night. I don't know if you stayed up past midnight to watch, but it was it was weird to watch because you could tell the guys in the second and third period, they were a little hesitant on the ice. They weren't going full burner. There wasn't as much up and down, a lot more stop and go because you don't know how good the ice is. But to your point about those two teams being the elite cup contenders, those are two teams in the same division. And unless you live in that region of the country, you do not get to watch them play. You just don't. Yeah. No, 100%. doesn't put them on. Yeah. No, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, that sucked for the NHL. That genuinely sucked because that would have been a great, great like chance to showcase those teams to a bigger audience. Cause you know, Nate, Nate, I think a lot of people know about McKinnon more so than Vegas. Like, Mark Stone is like legit one of the best players in the world. Like he's unbelievable and just not enough people know about him just because like, you know, that the, I mean, NBCSN is not going to be around, literally not going to be around anymore. So, I mean, like hopefully whoever gets the TV deal next makes it a point of emphasis to push the other teams besides just the original six, like, and the flyers essentially. Um, it's it's a such such a shame because like those that would have been such a great event for them. That, I mean, even the Bruins Flyers game got delayed because of like something. Uh, it's just you know I, I do give the NHL credit for thinking a little bit outside the box. Um, the execution just leaves so much to be desired. Like, how do you not have a plan for the sun being too strong? Like, or the ice. I mean, the videos of those guys falling in the ruts on the ice were insane. Like that looked like rinks I used to play at. Like, like where where there was just like gashes in the ice. Oh, I just don't know, man. The NHL, it leads so much to be desired. And the thing is, there is such a vacuum of space because all of the media rights are consolidated amongst just two or three networks. Yep. ESPN has their, their fingers in basically everything, but aside from them, 
CBS needs more stuff. NBC needs more stuff. Fox needs more stuff. There's such a vacuum of space the NHL could fill up. I know on Saturday night during the game, during the game where David went super saiyan, he had five points in 30 minutes. During the one intermission, Elliot Friedman had mentioned that ESPN seems like they're going to be in the mix for this and that it's going to be on multiple networks, which would be good. Something similar to what the NBA has, where you're on ESPN, you're on TNT, you're on NBA TV, and then once or twice a week, you get to be on ABC in more households. I do think ESPN could go very wrong very quickly if it's, you know, John Bucigras and Barry Melrose, and that's that's it. Uh, yeah. I don't think ESPN as constructed right now has the personnel to do hockey they need a genuine play-by-play guy who could do hockey and god help us if barry melrose is the color commentator on national hockey games yeah that would be terrible they need to bring back uh gary thorne if they're gonna do that bring me back to my childhood Uh, i know gary thorne was so good he's still good doing the orioles and they're not bringing him back to do the orioles anymore which is why it would make sense for espn to bring him back But just talking a little bit big picture about the NHL, aside from Colorado and aside from Vegas, you've been dipping your toes anywhere else watching other hockey? It's weird this year. You know, like in in theory, I like the only playing teams in your division. And obviously I I fully understand why it's happening. Like safety first, like it's something that should be done. But I kind of hate just seeing the same teams over and over again. It's like, it sucks after a while. Like, you know, I like watching, you know, Edmonton come into town on a on a Sunday afternoon matinee game or, you know, the Calgary 9 p.m. start on a Saturday or something like that. So, like, you know, I've tried to watch some I, – I try to watch McDavid whenever I can. If he's on TV, especially, um, like that five-point game he had the other night, he was on. So, I immediately turned that on. But it's, it's weird. I also, like, don't even know who's in – like, I, I found out the other day that Nashville and Tampa and Dallas and Carolina are all in the same division. I was like, Jesus Christ, I literally had no idea. Um, but, yeah, that's really all. I, I, I just like watching a lot of the West Coast teams. I'm a night owl, so I'm up. I'm up till, like, 1, 2 in the morning a lot of times. So, you know, Vegas when they're on, Colorado when they're on, um, McDavid. I don't even say the Oilers, just McDavid when he's on. We got to hey. get him out of there. We oh. got to get him out of there. It, it, it sucks, man. He's just wasted away there. You look at the teams they have put around him in his time in Edmonton, the bottom sixes, the defensive pairs they've constructed. This is year six of McDavid in the league. He's made the playoffs once. I'm, I mean, yeah, they made the qualifying round last year, but they lost to the Blackhawks who didn't have a team, basically. And you just think about how frustrating it is for these guys. I know at some point he wants to be the good guy that, you know, I'm the heir to Wayne Gretzky. I get to play for the Oilers. This is great and all, but like, he's got to want to win a cup. I mean, yeah, they'll win the gold medal next year in the Olympics and it won't be close. That team Canada is going to be ridiculous, but he's going to want to win a cup at some point. And I just want one guy, someone hire Rich Paul in the NHL for For the love of God. Someone get Rich Paul in the NHL as their agent and make a bit of noise. Cause a problem. Get your situation better. You don't deserve to just waste away because of blind loyalty. No, you're you're 100% right. You really are. It's it's they need to he needs to get out of there. I mean, lo- loyalty is overrated as fuck anyway to begin with and like why should he be loyal to a franchise that's literally done nothing? They've won one playoff series in the uh, 
I think he's been in the league like six years already. Like, yep. get, get give me a break. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna sign a long term deal and then the team doesn't build around you, I would say like five years is like it. Like that's that's pushing it to me even. I would say like half, four. And then like, all right, like you've failed, so get me out. I mean, you're about to, the the guy who's gonna do it is Eichel. Yeah. Like he signed the massive deal, but they are such a dumpster fire and that he's gonna be like, All right, I'm out. I'm done. I don't care. I'll sit out. You could find me. I'm out of here. Like get get me out of here. I'm gonna go coach high school hockey in Boston yeah. until someone trades for me. Fuck <laughs> you guys. I'm gonna go be Ben Affleck in the town. I'm just gonna go work <laughs> construction. Talk about how I used to play hockey. Sand and uh, gravel. I, there's so much potential for the NHL, man. It, we're in a golden age of hockey. There have never been more good players in the league than there are right now. Because you even got still the old heads. You've got Sid. You've still got Ovi. You've still got Jumbo Joe, who's 43 years old, chasing a cup. You've got Eric Carlson. You've got Brent Burns. And then you've got the younger generation guys. Like, yeah, the Canada division is a total fucking joke. No one plays defense and no one backchecks. But on any given night, McDavid could go for 10 points. Matthews can go for a hat trick. Johnny Hockey isn't as good as he once was. He's still electric. Matt Kachuk, Brady Kachuk. You go over to Vancouver, you talk about Besser, Pedersen. There is so much exciting talent in the league. And it's a shame other people don't get to enjoy it like we do. No, you're, you're bang on there. I mean, it's, it's a, there's so much talent in the league, and it's just, it's just the way the league is. It's a, it's a niche sport right now it's a niche league and that's, you know, I hope, I really hope it changes as, as things go on, but you know, the game is great. The product has never been better. It exactly. has never been better. But then you just add in all the other factors. I mean, we, the, the racism, the sexism, all the shit. I mean, you just the go coyotes, down. the coyotes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, and it's just terrible. It's just like, it, it turns people off it, it sucks it really does and uh, it's it's disappointing to disappointing to see because like you said there's there's just a golden age right now with all the talent that's in the league and like the crossovers between the past stars and the current stars and you know hopefully uh hopefully they figure it out at some point i'm not, I'm not very confident but hopefully oh, they no. Do. oh no absolutely not but before i get you out of here i do want to say i did see someone on the other day someone on twitter say that uh the original six was a better era of hockey that we are not in a golden age of hockey because those guys, only six teams were in the league. So only six teams worth of players made it. So by default, because there are more teams now, there are less quality players than there were back then. I'm just going to say this. Conor McDavid is, uh, he's outskating people backwards in 1945. If he's going backwards the entire he, way, he would score four points a game playing righty. <laughs> if you wanted to playing like, in Gretzky's era, he would have scored two points a game three points a game like yeah all of Gretzky's stats are insane but you got to add the caveat of the goalies played stand-up oh yeah oh oh my god (laughs) it's like not even it's not comparable it's not those stats need to be weighted no one will ever come close to any of them Ovi's got an outside chance at goals but he's gonna have to play a lot longer and I I know he wants to go back to Russia at the end of his career to put a nice bookend on this starting the conversation with Russia yeah. Going back the other way, Ovi wants to go back to Russia. He's said that more than once, that he wants to go back. I know Malkin has said he wants to go back. I do hope the Olympics are fun next year. I will say that. There's yeah. plenty of potential for the Olympics to be fun. We might actually get a good Team USA. Thank God. I mean, it's about goddamn time. They were so 
even before the non-NHL player ones, they were just like falling off and it was tough to watch. I mean, I think the last time they played, they didn't even get a medal the last time it, it happened. So hopefully, yeah, I mean, the Olympics are always watching the Olympics. It's, you know, some of the teams are, I mean, I like it too because you'll see random guys end up coming over to after that. So, um, you know, I mean, that's how Matt Zuccarello was found. Honestly, yeah. the Olympics and, and the Rangers saw him and were like, we need to get this guy over here. So, yeah, the Olympics are fun. Hopefully they they put some oomph behind that and hopefully their TV deal is up. I mean, it'll be on NBC, I guess, since NBC has the Olympics. So that'll probably be Tarico and, and Forslund over there. Tarico's good. I, I do like Tarico. Yeah, yeah, I don't I, I've always liked Mike Tarico. He's just a good he's just a good announcer. You know, yeah. he knows his shit in every sport. And he's just got a fire voice, which is half the battle yeah, for being really a commentator. Yeah, you gotta have real. either you either gotta have the gravelly voice or the deep voice. Those are the only two. Unless you're Doc. Doc is the only exception. Oh, or you yeah. do like that squeak. The squeak is hard to execute though. Well, Doc's one of one of one, you know? Yeah. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I feel a little bit better now. I got to talk this out and have a little bit of therapy. It, it helps to just not be writing at the blank page. Where it's like, yeah, it goes to an editor, but like, it's not working it out and talking about it. Working it out and talking about it. I owe you for the hour. I'll, I'll say that. I owe you for the hour. <laughs> this was therapy. Uh, it's, it's never a problem, my friend. I appreciate you having me on as always. I'll have you back when Syracuse fires Bayheim, all right? Man, I'll be making the rounds that day. <laughs> You're going to be on Sports Center that day. You're going to be oh, on the 11 God. o'clock SVP. Oh, I can't wait for that. Which is dead. He's probably going to hang it up once Buddy graduates, right? That's what everyone's that's, saying. That's the theory, yeah. yeah. All right, people. I will see you guys tomorrow. I think we're doing soccer episode tomorrow. So for Thursday, I think we're talking Man United. I got to lock that in. But I'll see you guys then.